This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. We have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the always spooky Mark Muncie from Erie, Florida. Erie Travels. Hi, Thanks Eerie, for having me. Erie lots of things. Um, all the things. <laughs> Erie all the things. And our guest today is Rod Martinez. Woo! Welcome, welcome. Hi. Okay, let's start off with what we're drinking. So I am drinking um, Pacific Rim which is my favorite uh, white wine. It's a sweet Riesling and it's got a dragon that breathes fire that you can kind of see on the label anyway. Um, so I'm drinking that along with some uh, sparkling water to balance out my healthiness, which this one is watermelon mint. And it's Ooh. it's pretty effing good, actually. I'm not going to lie. Um, I like that. Uh, Mark, what boring thing are you drinking today? Um, well, well in my oh. Batman 89 coughing mug, I've got Morbid Curiosity's new Bell Book and Candle, uh, which is uh, buttery and daring chai, and it's got a little bit of coca and a little bit of rose, and I'm very happy. I love their ingredients. They're all so fresh, and it's just, it's adorable. Highly recommend it. have to get some of that. Rod, what are you drinking? Well, since I don't have to drive, I figured I'd go off on a limb, and I'm drinking some Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. I think I'll be okay. I hope so. You know, at least one of us needs to be at this. Okay, so Rod, for the audience that may not know you, what do you write? Rod Martinez, Incorporated. I um, I write middle grade, young adult. I do some um, some picture books too, and it's mostly. I live in Florida, so it's. Uh, I always base everything here in my state, and they're mostly. I grew up on Marvel comics and Twilight Zone. So you mix those two together, and that's the kind of stuff I write for kids. Which so. Mr. Muncie is right up your alley. Oh, I yeah. I'm, I'm all in now. So, yeah. This all is right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yep. So what began this journey for you? Um, That's a fun question. Um, I was writing since high school. Well, actually, younger than that, because I was in the comic books when I was really young. And then I thought, reading them so much, I'm like, I could probably make these. I want to work for Stan Lee when I grow up. You know, so that's what I figured. So I'm, I'm writing stories about superheroes, but then uh, as a teen, I was writing stuff on uh, mostly adult, gory, scary, demon worship, kind of weird stuff. Of course, I went to church. So um, my son, who was in sixth grade watching The Goonies, challenged me to write a story like The Goonies about him and his friends here in Tampa, and that became my first novel. So I was sold after that. That is awesome. So what is the name of the first novel? The Juniors. What? You want to see the cover? I want to see the cover. Look at that. Juniors. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. So I love that a challenge from your son was what spurred that into existence, by the way. That that makes me very happy. I totally blame him for everything. So, okay. Oh, my gosh. Using all my words. Um, 
so you were writing, what do you think made it take so long for you to actually do the publishing? I mean, I love this sun story. I think that's great. But uh, there's a lot of us that wrote when we were younger and wrote through high school and did stuff, but didn't, you know, it took something else to propel us to do it. Do you, why, why do you think that took so long? Um, with me, it was, I was writing just for fun because I was, I was watching stuff like Twilight Zone and Night Gallery. So I was writing that kind of stuff, but it was just for fun, you know, showing friends, letting them read it and stuff. The juniors, the reason that happened was because I put him and three of his friends in the school that went to school together in the book. And it was the teachers and the school librarian that got me, that kept pushing me because I made it like 20, 40 pages, something like that. They kept saying, hey, you got to make this, you got to keep going with the story. This is good, you know. And every time I'd add some more pages, they kept going. So it became a novel. And the school, actually, the school librarian is the other person I have to give blame to because she kept pushing me, you got to get this book published. And I'm like, I'm not really looking to be a published author. This is just fun for me. I don't do this for, no, but I listened, she kept nagging me. So I figured, let me go ahead and do it. And then a publisher decided to go for it. I'm like, wow, I think I can do this for the rest of my life. I love that. And I love that <laughs> the way you said you went into it, because a lot of us are like, yeah, no, I'm doing this for fun. I don't want the torture of actually having to publish the damn book because, right. you know. And I'm That's sorry if you hear magical noises behind me. I programmed my ring so that I could hear people. I live up in the mountain and almost nobody goes past my door. Oh, and wow. UPS just went past my door and it's like this magical little ring in the <laughs> background. So yes, we, we now have sound effects on drinking with authors. There Thank we you. go. <laughs> So well, we don't have Discord distractions now. No, we. I turned off the Discord. I turned off the Facebook. <laughs> oh my gosh, we had people complain about that, Rod. It was very funny. They oh, wow. they thought they were getting alerts of their Facebook and their oh, Discord, and I was like, okay, okay, never mind. I didn't realize we were causing such a panic amongst the crowds. Um, so you wrote this for your kid. How many books or child? whatever the right word um how many books have you written so far i've lost track um because you know as writers how many how many unpublished manuscripts do you have sitting around so tons of them i call that the graveyard many yeah Thank you. so i have i mean i have several that have been published either self-published or published with a, with a publisher but i'm always working on something else so, just a so very good now when you finally went into the publishing arena um what what was surprising to you? Like, I always like asking this because I think there are things that you don't think about as a writer when you go into publishing. What surprised you? Um, actually, the first thing about when I finished the juniors and I realized everyone who read it said, this thing is the best thing we've ever seen. You know, something like Disney and looking Nickelodeon are going to fight me over this book, right? They're going to fight over this book. This is, this is going to be easy to sell. I was surprised at how many rejection letters I got. Oh, yeah. the first time because you know we're told as writers expect rejection letters and i'm thinking my masterpiece i won't get a rejection letter and i got tons before the first publisher said yeah we'll take this so that was the first surprise well and i think part of it is um you when you have a voice a lot of times you're not even actually getting to a gatekeeper to look at your books when you right. send it to a publisher sometimes they're just waiting to go through the mail and then right. send you a you know printed out rejection letter right right but Stephen King, what did he have? 156. I forget how many he said he oh, had on yeah, his yeah, nail yeah. that, yeah. you know, he put a nail over his desk and was just plowing these rejection letters to the nail. Yeah. Like, yes, it's coat the wallpaper. So 
Um, you ended up traditionally published, right? The right. First, first time. Um, and then you said self-published. Yeah, I've done them both because I, I write a lot and you, you know, you finish something else and like, I want to get this thing out there and you're getting all these rejection letters like, ah, screw it. I'm doing it myself. You know, so then you end up doing that, but then you have other publishers for other stuff that you sent out. So kind of a game you play. It's like you have some manuscripts out there and then I'm going to do this for myself. So. Yeah, no, I mean, that. I think that's why a lot of people do indie publishing or self-publishing because of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Who drew your covers? Um, I talk about that a lot. I My covers are, I go to fiverr.com. I've been there and I've been to deviantart.com and I find artists there. The weird thing, as you know, as an author, is that when a publisher accepts your book, they're in charge of the cover. But I have this weird quirk that when I finish a story, I have to design the cover. Even if I don't draw it, I design it. And if I can find an artist to make it look the way I see it, then I present that to the the, uh, publisher. Nine times out of 10, they're like, we love that cover. We're going to go for it. So I've been lucky so far. So they've taken the cover that you designed. Right. Wow. That's yeah. very cool. That's that's very hard nice. to do, but yeah. That's very rare. That is the exception yeah. and not the rule, my friend. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I've been lucky. <laughs> so Twilight Zone and Marvel. So how much horror, because that's what Twilight Zone is, horror thriller is are is in these books. Well, I don't really put horror so much in there, more than thriller and suspense and kind of just kind of messing with your head. You know, when I I do book talks a lot at schools and I talk to kids and none of the kids have ever heard of Twilight Zone, of course, you know. So I give give them a hint of like, well, this guy named Rod Turner come on, you know, and I do the voice and all that. And then I'll give them an idea of a story that he did. And like, I always talk about the one story about the Roddy McDowell with the two astronauts. Yes. On Venus or something like that. And everybody's nice to them. And then all of a sudden they put him in a nice house and everything is great. And then the screen opens and he's in a zoo. He's like a nursling at a zoo, you know. It's like nobody expects that. When I tell that to the kids, they just freak out. And I say, yeah. as a writer, I like to mess with the reader's head. So it's kind of a thriller suspense, kind of, I don't know, speculative, thriller, all kinds of weird stuff. In there. No, I think that's, I love thrillers. Me and Mark both write in those kind of genres too. Oh, um, I love that you wrote this. What's made you stay with school-age children as the audience? You know, I'm trying to figure it out myself because I wrote the juniors and right after that, I started this other series called The Orphans of Danica about some kids in a Florida town and ghosts and stuff like that. And it's just easier for me to write. I, I'm doing a, um, I'm giving a presentation in Denver at a conference on middle grade voice. And only because I was there last year speaking about something else and they put me on the lunch panel and we were all talking about stuff like that. And someone asked me, how do you capture that middle grade voice? And then someone else later pulled me aside and asked me, hey, you should do a presentation on that. You really do sound like a kid when you're writing books. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know, and, it, and I tell people all the time, I cheated. I hung out with kids, you know, because most grownups are trying to read a, write a kid's book and it sounds like an adult, you know, talking to kids. And it's like, you have to sound like a kid for a kid to get it. So I hung out with kids and that's how I got it. That's very cool. So what did your son think of it when you put the book out? What was it like when he read it? Oh, they thought it was cool because of all the kids, the four kids in the group, you know, they became the group and people people started calling them the juniors in school. 
So oh, nice. it's kind of cool. Yeah. You created a click, a click, right? That's what that's called in school is yeah. a click. You created a, a click. click. Yeah. Created the Goonies. Awesome. I love that. Um, Juniors never say die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you doing Goonies quotes now, Mark? <laughs> that Goonies inspired him. I was just. You know, now you have that. to ask him some actual author related now, questions. My, my question is, I saw one of one of your books uh, that is on my to read list is the uh, Who is the Gray Man? Uh, so I'm a big fan of urban legends. I, I write about, you know, collecting folklore and urban legends and stuff. Uh, so where is the gray man from? And is it a real urban legend or was this, you know, created from cloth? Um, the gray man came from, I get a lot of questions. You know, when you're speaking, they ask me, Hey, where do you get ideas from stories? Let me tell you about the gray man. Right. So I have a friend who told me once that her grandson had an imaginary friend that he called the gray man. I thought, who's the gray man? I'm like, Wow, that's a good title. And the story came out of that title. Nice. And I just created it. It's not a real urban legend. The town is made up in Florida. And I just created this guy who I don't want to give away the story, but, no, but yeah. yeah, he's uh when you read about him, you know, if, if you're a child and you see him, you will surely die. You know, so who no one wants to read, you know, see the guy, but then you realize, like, wow, I kind of wish the green man was my best friend when you finish reading it. So nice. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, uh, you know, you were talking about Twilight Zones and, uh, you know, one of my favorites is, is you know, the guy, you know, time enough for everything with uh, all uh, Burgess Meredith and, you know, oh, yeah. the library yeah. glasses, you know, you know, the classic. Um, so what would you say is your go to, you know, when you're when you're when you're looking for inspiration? What is your go to Twilight Zone? My go to Twilight? Yep. Wow, Twilight Zone. What would it be? My favorite, my favorite Twilight Zone is um, uh, to serve man. Uh, that classic. One. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything written like that, but I just love the way the way Rod Serling just has you thinking one thing, and then in the end, it's like, whoa! I so didn't see that coming, you know. And that's that's what I like to do to the kids. I have one story. It isn't published. I'll throw this out there, but it isn't published yet. But um, there's a town in Florida in the 70s and an explosion happens from a nuclear reactor everyone in the town dies except for the kids in the school at the edge of town so the kids are there and they're taught by their two teachers that are left that they have to stay together as a clique because if people from the outside might be zombies and they have to stay in the school and always be there and then there's a visitor comes to school and they're trying to oh, oh my god we got to hide from this person we can't let them find us so they're it's called the hiding because they're really good at hiding but in the end the guy and his, and his little daughter, who's their age, they, they find them and they're all standing in the field and the, the kids are freaking out, you know, because like, what are we going to do? They don't look like zombies, you know, and it turns out that the, the girl says, you guys really don't understand, do you? And she's holding this weird thing in her hand, looks like a mirror. And, you know, they're kind of tussling. She drops it and breaks. She's crying. You broke it. And they say, what is that? She says, it's an iPad. And the kids go, what's an iPad? Yeah, yeah. And whenever I tell that to the kids, they all freak out. You know, and then I said, and then she says, you guys don't understand it. You all died in 1978. All of you died. You know, we're here to send you back to wherever you belong. You know, the kids are freaking out. I was like, when is that book coming out? Well, yeah, that's, you know, so. that's a classic twist. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I do too. So let's talk about the stuff you have self-published. Is everything you've self-published because you got rejections on it and you just move forward or? Is the, how how doth you select the self-publishing <laughs> items? 
Look, I was fancy uh, English when I said that. That was good. That was very good. Yeah, that was good. I got to write that one down. I don't. Um, don't at I, all. <laughs> um, I, I, just, I just get impatient because I'm constantly writing. So if I have like one or two books that are with a publisher, like right now I have three books with a publisher, but I'm working on one that I'm probably going to self-publish because I'm just impatient. Is all. And it's not like if I stop writing today, I'm not going to be able to write anything for another two or three years. I'm constantly writing. So it's just a matter of get this out so people can read it. No, that makes sense. So what is the what do you feel the difference is between the reach of your self-published versus your um, uh, traditionally published work? Um, nowadays, unless you're with one of the big five, um, you are the publicist. You are the marketing department. So even with small publishers, I mean, they're, they back you up, they, they're publishing your book, they're, you know, they're helping you. But, you know, since I do speak at a lot of conferences and schools and libraries and stuff like that, um, I'm constantly pushing my brand out there anyway. So I'm pushing my self-published stuff for sure, Facebook and everything else, but then the stuff that's published, the publisher is also um, helping with that. So I'm kind of getting a double thing in there. Because so like, hey, look, this book is published by a publisher, but I did this one myself. Check it out, get both of them, you know, those kind of things. No, that might, so what about creating your covers and stuff like that? Have you created the machine for yourself publishing? Um, I, I go through the same route. I will design the cover myself and I'll find some money and, and they'll draw it for me. And that's how, it, that's how it happens. So the covers are, to me, uh, at the end of writing and editing and all that stuff, the next phase is let me get the good cover for this thing. And I just, I, I give that as much gusto as I did with the writing. You know, you're not going to have some half-baked cover to go with this great story because a book is judged by its cover, as we tell, as we know. So, yeah. Like example, really good example. He mentioned the Gray Man. I was at a book fair. I had five of my books on the table. If you've seen the cover of the Gray Man, every single kid came to the Gray Man first. Mom, I want that book. You know, I was like, the book cover sells. Yep, it certainly does. Well, they, you know, I say that all the time on this podcast is never judge a book by its cover. Every book is judged by its cover. Right. And people know what they want based on the cover. Like they can look at the cover and go, this is the kind of book I'd like to read. They right. don't look and go, some go, well, that's a cool cover. I wonder what that is. But a lot of people, especially ones that read certain genres all the time, like right. they know what a horror book looks like. They know what, you know, a uh, fairy tale book, you know, a fay book. They know right. what a... um sci-fi book looks like you know from looking at it and if you put some weird you know obscure even cool looking cover you might get the people going oh i wonder what that is but you're gonna lose everybody who goes that's not a sci-fi cover you know yeah yeah so important i I, that's one of the things i push every time i'm speaking publicly covers are very important give that as much if you're self-publishing giving is give it as much energy as you gave your story because it's important so before you turned into this awesome author, what were you? What did you do? For, what did you do for your pretend job when you were yeah, before you became job. this awesome author? Um, I am an IT guy, mm. so I do that. And if you see wow. that there, that thing right there, I also play in a band. So I was going to say that's a guitar. So you're not. Oh, you are an enigma, my friend. <laughs> hey, listeners. You know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you had. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called 
Eerie Travels. Woo-woo, Eerie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. So, um, you are an IT guy who writes middle grade books and is in a band. Classic rock band. I feel like these are one of those games where you say three things and one of them's not true. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, what is that? Two truths and a lie? Is two nothing? truths and a lie, yep, yep. I've I never feel played like, that game. I feel like I'm in the true, two truths and a lie game. And I want to guess the idea. So you're in a band. What kind of band are you in? Uh, classic rock. Ooh, very fun. All the classics from the 60s all the way to early 2000s around there. Nice. Who's your Who's your primary influence? Uh, mine, Journey and Kiss. Uh, uh, we do Beatles, The Stones, uh, Springsteen. I mean Springfield, Billy Joel. I mean everybody. So nice. That's Mel very camp. Yeah, you know the thing is, you said Kiss and Journey, and I had a whole conversation with somebody the other day oh. about big um, bands, like big stadium bands, because there was an exact type of, not that bands don't play stadiums, I'm not getting in that argument with people, but right. there was a type of band that that is what they were. They were a stadium right. type band, right. like a huge venue, Queen, you know, a lot of these yeah. were like, yeah. I'm going to go play Kiss. Absolutely. That whole performance was not, we're going to go to a recording studio dressed like that. Right. For right. our album. Yeah. You know, Journey was that way, and I think they did a very decent job of replacing the lead singer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm. I like not that. I want them to, but he was pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but that's very cool. So an IT professional who's in a band who decided to write middle grade books, and I love every part of that story. So now that you're super writing like a superhero. What is your, so how, you, you've lost count of, how many books have you published, like officially published? I, I don't know the number. I don't know it off the top of my head. I get asked that question all the time. I never stop to look and count them all. So I, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm I'll say, sorry. I'll say maybe 10 or under at least, but um, I, I don't know for sure. Nice. So being that your fan base is um, younger children mostly, what is that um, fan reaction like when they see you and meet you and stuff? Because it's very, when you get older, I think you you have a different take on celebrities. Teenagers have a whole take right. on celebrities that can be interesting at times. We all remember the Beatles fans rushing, not all of us. Some oh, of the yeah. people are listening going, what are you talking about? Who the hell is Kiss? Like when I have those conversations right. with the younger people, I just want to punch them. But regardless, uh, you know, there, you know, there's a different hysteria, the passing out, whatever, and getting overly excited. What is it like to have young fans? Uh, young kids are awesome. I mean, I, um, I just spoke at a school and um, the thing is, I'm, I'm usually trying to push like, the, the next new writers you know it's like how many here like to write you know so you get like five hands up 
how many here like to read 15 hands go up you know so like you five you got work to do you got all these people to cover now, right yeah. so i'm kind of you know push them you guys got to get some writing done so i, I give them ideas and stuff and then at the end this is the thing that always gets me at the end you know the class is dismissed everybody's going away you have two or three kids that just walk straight up to me you know and it's like it's, it isn't even just the autograph thing it's like they just start picking my brain and they just they get all giddy and they're just like you know when you tell me the thing about the bird in the tree god that that reminded me of something like, well you need to write that book you need to make get that going you know so i, I try to give them ideas like no matter what town i'm in i'll try to find something some landmark in that town and i'll just create a prompt for that thing and say what if this happened in that building back in 1952 and you went through time what would you do you know so I just, I like the reaction from the kids. They, they're just, they're so genuine, you know? So when did you start doing all this talking and talking about the books and stuff? Because being an author is one thing, but going and doing that kind of work is very different. What made you start doing that? I, I didn't think I'd, believe it or not, yeah, I play in a band, but uh, I have stage fright. So, um, not anymore. I mean, but, you know, when I got into writing, the, the story I like to tell that people think is funny is that when the juniors came out, I was all excited, got published and stuff. So the teachers at that school, you know, they said, hey, would you mind coming to the school and talking to the kids about the book? And I'm like, talking to the kids? What do you mean? She goes, yeah, just, you know, come to the library. We're going to have a whole bunch of kids in there. You can talk about writing, talk about how you got the idea for the book and everything. I'm like, like, talk, talk in front of people, you know? And she's like, yeah, people do it all the time. You know, and, you know, authors, they come to do book talks. As an author, I never thought that that was something I'd be doing. It's like, I'm going to write. You gotta buy it and read it. I'm happy, you know. I never thought I'd be out there selling it or like inspiring, you know, kids to write. And that's what juniors again is what started that. And then the more I did it, I, um, for example, I told you I was speaking at a conference later this month in Denver. Um, I in 2015 I decided, you know, I've been doing schools. I wonder if I could do a conference. And I just I did an open proposal for a conference in Ohio, and they said, yeah, sure, come on up. And it was about book covers, and that kind of turned me into a public speaker, which I did not ever think I'd be doing as a writer, but I can't not stop doing it now, so. What I think that what you're doing and doing it to inspire young writers and stuff like that, I think that kind of stuff is so important because um, more and more at schools, um, I won't start with the Florida school thing right now. <laughs> I could too, but I'm not gonna go there. Yeah, no, just enough said in mentally enough by said. us on that, that yeah. topic. But I think it's so important to um, influence younger people to understand their options and their choices and see people who have degrees of success doing um, something that is art related. Because right. not every author who's out there is going to be able to not work their full time job or have other means of income, right. you know. That's not a thing. I mean, uh, all of us would love that, but that's not necessarily how the world works. But to be able to follow a passion and do something about it, I think that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I dig it. Every time I go to school, the teachers always ask me, hey, you sure you don't want to teach? I'm like, no, no, I don't think I can do that, but I'll keep doing this. It's, it's really yeah, not. Yeah. Not in this you find yourself getting, now that you've done this a bit, are more and more reaching out to you, or are you still reaching out to schools and libraries to get? No, the more and more reaching out to me now. Word, the word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah so. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's, I try to tell that to new authors is that it, once you get to that point, they start coming. Right. Yeah. yeah. And especially because yeah. teachers, teachers and librarians, they network 
all over the nation. I mean, they network everywhere. So it's like I get invited to, you know, everywhere. So it's been great. I love it. And speaking yeah. of, I'm going to do this. We don't have to mention it, but my latest picture book, if you haven't seen it, I live in Tampa, oh, Florida. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So back in 1960, there was a sit-in in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. And it was a high school that my parents went to and they did a sit-in. And of course, you know what happened with the sit-ins, right? Yeah. So it's a big thing that happened in Tampa, Florida. And, you know, I'm kind of, I knew the story. Everybody knows the story. But then I thought, I'm standing there in front of the building looking at the sign. I thought, I wonder if anyone's read, written a book about that. So I wrote Grandma Luther King. Oh, wow. Book, right? Except, of course, I live in Florida. So that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but it's a book about, you know, it's about the sit-ins. It's the grandmother telling the grandson about the story. They're on a bus. Just, well, Grandma, what's that building about? And she, then she explains it. But at the end, she says, and then what we did, and it goes, Grandma, we, you were one of the teenagers? She says, yes, honey, I was. And then, then she becomes like the bigger hero to him. You're like Martin Luther King. You're Grandma Luther King, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's how that story came out. But That is awesome. And I... That's the kind of thing we, we, we have another podcast we do, and we talk a lot about lost parts of history. Oh, wow. People, um, it's one of the, th we, we talk yeah. about cryptids and ghosts, but a lot of it has to do with like entire towns that disappeared and things like that. And mm -hmm. that history is not necessarily pleasant history at all. It's not right, like, right. you know, uh, you know, a fun ghost story where somebody gets tickled by a ghost bear or something, but <laughs> I love that you wrote that and that you're bringing that piece of history back because we need that history. Yep. And I am so fingers crossing a course correct happens in that state and many others on their view of things because yeah, it's well, Tampa but, it's history anyway. So yeah. 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 But that is that is awesome. I love that this the stories and your reasoning behind writing some of the stories is so fun. Oh, yeah. That's, I enjoy That's it. Great. So, so now that you're like a power writer, so how long does it take you to write a book? And then I'll let you go, Mark. Sorry about that. I, um, that I don't, you know, I get that question a lot from kids, and I it's taken me three weeks to write a book, and it's taken me two years to write a book. So any time between there. So I don't know. Grandma probably took that was probably the three week book because it was so. I mean, it was basically a real story being told by two fictional characters. So. All right, no, no, my question is, so when you, you know, when you've got your subject, when you've got what you want to do, uh, you know, uh, do you, you know, what, what is your, you know, what is your writing ritual? What do you, what, what you're doing this all the time? What is your, what is, you know, from start to finish? Um, I just start, I mean, I have a laptop with me almost all the time at work. I have a computer in front of me all the time. So, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm constantly writing. I'm not playing. Um, I'm writing. So that's, it's just, it's my life now. So that's what I do. Right. My son, the little boy, the little six-year-old is 26 now. So, you know, I, I, I don't have to do, do the daddy thing now. So. That sounds very familiar. So yeah. 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 Um, now uh, when you're, when you're doing these, the, the historical stuff like, like that, uh, was there a lot of research or was this just stuff you knew? Uh, grandma was not a lot of research at all because it was a local story and I, I knew the story, but I, I wanted to, you know, get names right or stuff like that. Um, I also, my only other nonfiction book is a book, believe it or not, 
a uh, trivia book on presidents because I'm very huge on American history. I mean, huge. And I was reading a book and I thought, you know, I bet I could write a president book without even looking it up, you know, and I, most of the stuff came from stuff that I already knew. But then I, I like to throw in stuff that, you know, you always hear like, hey, you hear the comparisons between Kennedy and Lincoln? Everybody does that, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to do something different. So I just started throwing a lot of different things. That got picked up by a publisher pretty quick. So I was like, I'm trying to do a second book on American history, at all, you know, itself. So see if that gets out there. A history buff, so he can do well at Trivial Pursuit. Oh, author, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rocker. Like, this just the list just keeps going on. It's, re, it's insane. True Renaissance man here. So, true Renaissance man. So, when it came to um, having to market your book and stuff like that, because you, you touched on that a little bit before the break, but the, the whole marketing thing usually surprises authors. Like, they, they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, were you did you go in prepared did you do a bunch of you're an IT person did you do a bunch of research as to sort of what you were getting into or did you show up and like well oh what what the heck is all this I have to do no I mean I did some research reading other authors and realizing that you know the, the publisher for the juniors was a really small publisher in Florida and so you know they don't have the kind of budget that Random House has you know so I'm like I'm gonna have to back this book up some kind of way to, you know so but that one was easy because it started in a school so those teachers told other teachers who told other teachers so that's that's what helped that go on so i kind of use the same the same method the librarians talk to librarians teachers talk to teachers and these books get out i was actually got an email this week from the local library here a girl that i know there emailed me and said hey by the way we just bought three more copies of grandma i just want to let you know i said really why she goes because we can't keep the other ones on the shelf nice. i'm like thank you thank yeah. you I'll buy that. That works. That works. So librarians, I mean, they're great. I tell writers all the time, librarians and teachers, man, you got to hook up with them. Yes, very much. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting. You did say they don't have the budget of Random House. I think you'll find that even if you went with Random House, you yes. would have the same experience. They don't wow. necessarily give the money for the the big things, Let's which see. is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah no, they, have... they've got their top three writers of the top right, five companies, right. and they're the ones who get all the budget. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, you know, as writers, you know, what most writers don't know when they're first getting into it, because they just assume there's a publicist that's going to handle all that stuff. It's like, no, that's kind of your job, too. So you kind of get used to it. So, yeah. Well, you become a celebrity, you become a brand, and then you have yeah. to be out there as a brand in the way that right. I was talking to um, an author the other day, and I was telling her, because she has a young, young adult books. And I was telling her, I'm like, if I was you and on any social media platform, I would be on TikTok because that is where your audience is right now. They're not on Facebook. Yeah. Teenagers are not on Facebook. That is not right. where they exist. I'm not saying no teenagers are on Facebook, right. but that is, that is not, not the world they live in. Platform. Yeah. They live in the yeah. world of TikTok now and Instagram, Snapchat's not really a thing anymore. So you have to watch those kind of trends yeah. to find your audience and I know with books like you, you're talking about schools and libraries that's where your audience goes or right. you have to market to the parents because it's not like right. the kids are scrolling through Facebook to find your book right yeah and that's know. why you also do book fairs you're sitting at a book fair and yeah. the parents are coming with their kids you know and that's how you do it but I will say I have not tried TikTok yet I'm scared but I I'm going to end up having to go there eventually, I'm sure. Well, 
I think you, I don't think grade schoolers are on TikTok necessarily. Right. Yeah. You know, but I, I do a lot of middle schools. So middle schools, I know they are. And yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. It's audience. just, if you venture into the world of the talk, that's what I call it. You just must be prepared because that's at least five times a week you have to post. So wow. yeah, there's, there's algorithms. Like a lot of people don't get that, but it, it, your popularity and you being presented in front of people has to do with how frequently you post and the feedback on the posts that you are already doing. Like it's a constantly thinking machine. Right. And if you right. disappear, like you want to talk about gone in a blink of an eye, like, you know, they're scrolling onto something else. You have to be constantly showing right. up in their feed yeah. or they don't recognize you. And you have to do something fun because it's not just let me talk about writing or let me talk about, you know, you'd have to make it, you have to make it whimsical, have a gimmick of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the most successful ones anyway. So yeah. Well, because those <laughs> are the ones that go viral is ridiculous, yeah. you know. Yeah. Weird, weird things stuff. people do. Like the gentleman from South Africa who just shows us how to actually operate things from the dumb people of the world. Like <laughs> that guy's internet famous and internet rich just yeah, wow. by pointing out how dumb people are. Like so, and doing this gesture. Yeah. <laughs> who knew that could make you a millionaire, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so sales-wise, the traditionally published versus the uh, self-published, what, what's your, what do you see? Do you see a, a major difference or? Um, as you know, self-published, you have more control. So you have a bigger cut of the pie. Right. Um, but I can say that grandma has, so far, it's, it's my latest book, but that one has been the best, and that's with a publisher. And actually, a publisher I met at a conference. Oh, nice. And we were just talking, and I brought that up. She goes, oh, tell me about the book. And next thing I know, I'm like, great. Okay, cool. So that worked. That <laughs> well, also, because you're taking the books to your audience. So I think as long as they're available, that makes a big difference, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's different than you're having to market, just blanket market both ways. Right. right. Um, I mean, normally you said like on your podcast, normally you have like uh, authors of adult books and stuff. So we've had everything well, so, yeah. all okay. over the gamut, nonfiction, fiction. But um, I recently it's been interesting to me on the discussion on how to find your audience because different you have to present your book where your audience is and present it in a way that they're going to want to see it. And it's not all about buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, no matter where you are, right? Yeah. That just, that tactic doesn't work. So finding your audience, but definitely children's books and stuff. Yeah. Um, it, you have to, it's not, you're not marketing to the kids. Right. Necessarily, you know? Yeah. Be, well, yeah. I was going to say a lot of times you're you're kind of lucky in that you can be in a situation or in a place where you meet someone who will become the next person that's going to help help you with your brand and stuff. I was at a restaurant last night. I was sitting at a table at a seminar and the couple that was sitting with me, um, the woman told me that she worked at a school. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Next thing you know, she has my card and she's going to talk to the librarian about, you know, because I when we talked about my book. So now that's another, and it's just, yeah. Quick, easy you just have to think you know yeah. and my mind wasn't even there i was just thinking about the food at the time so yeah. 
my favorite talk ever was at a yacht club and it was because some lady saw me at a con and 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 came up to me and said hey i run a yacht club and we'd love to talk about ghosts i'm like here here's my card you have me out so wait a minute you comic cons at a comic con yeah oh wow i speak at the comic cons all the time here yeah. i've seen you at a couple so oh really yeah oh wow okay creepy stuff late at night so but it's cool i've seen your panels so oh okay cool yeah. Well, well, both of you said something that's very, very vital, which is this. You handed them your card. Yes. The amount of authors that do not carry around business cards with them all the time. I don't care where you're going. Yep. Have your business card on you. Like, yeah. it is ridiculous to me when I meet authors and I'm like, oh, can I have your card? And they go, oh, I, and I'm like, Fail. Like <laughs> you should have your card on you a hundred percent of the time because that way people can find you. Otherwise, they can't find you. That's how it works, right? Well, normally okay. I'm wearing this. I wear this shirt a lot. Well, you can oh fact, yeah. I'd rather be right oh. with my logo, logo. right there. And it's got my web address right there. So it's that's my license plate in front of my car. I mean nice constantly advertising. So yeah, it's way all about to go branding. on branding, Rod. That's yeah. awesome. So let's talk about your story graveyard. I want to go back to that because you said graveyard. Um, how many starts and stops do you feel like you end up having? Like, do you go back to them or are they dead? Um, oh, the manuscripts that, no, they're not dead. The one that I just told you guys about, I just started re-editing it. About Good. the hiding, the, yeah, the nuclear one. I just started doing some more edits on it. So unless until it's published, then I can't touch it anymore, so. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That. But do you find you start stories and get stuck or what happens that you have manuscripts that aren't done? Um, I end up with another idea for something else. <laughs> so I'll stop doing this one. It's like, I'll work on that one. And then I, okay, the next day, let me get back to this one. So I yeah. see the uh, classic shiny object syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so earlier you said Marvel comics. What, what, what are your favorites? Uh, Spidey was my favorite of all time. Yeah. And then the X-Men. So good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I read DC too, but Marvel just, um, what I talk actually, when I, one of the first things when I'm talking to kids at schools, you know, they always like, one of the things like, Hey, who's your, who was your inspiration? You know? So when you ask a reader that they'll say something like, Oh, Stephen King, Betsy Byers, uh, James Patterson, you know, whoever. Right. And I don't have one of those authors as an inspiration. I'll say, well, mine was two guys that you guys, one you guys have all heard of, the other one you've never heard of. His name is Rod Serling. Anybody heard of him? No. How about Stan Lee? Yeah, everybody goes crazy over Stan Lee. Yeah. So I talk about, you know how Stan Lee came up with these ideas, right? And they're like, no. Say, well, Stan Lee's thinking like, you know, what if a teenage geek gets bitten by a radioactive spider? We'll call him Spider-Man. And then he gets an idea, gives it to the artist, the artist creates the book. Did the same thing with the Hulk and, you know, with all these guys, he just comes up with the what if, and I, I stress that to the kids, you know, you start off with what if, what if that kid running around in the store with a runny nose is screaming because it's really an alien running up there eating his brain, you know, and, and the kids look at me like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you have to think outside of the box. What if, you know, and that's how Stanley did it. So that's what gets yeah. me started. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because it shows, um, how we as creatives start going down our path because i think people think funny things like that all the time right. and what ifs right 
right. then we go, we're going to go one step further. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start gonna, writing that. Yes, we're going to go even further into that. So is there like a genre that you would also like to write in that you haven't yet? Um, yes. Okay, what, what, what was that? What was that? Even with my wine, I could sense the uh, trepidation. Be like I use trepidation as a I'm word. kind of delving into like a supernatural adult type tale right now. So that'll be. Oh, are you? What kind of supernatural adult type thing? Well, you know, maybe somebody with some weird gifts that does weird things to people or something. All uh, right. Like he's already writing this. I like how he's being vague about it. So <laughs> like, I'm assuming like you're going to really, put that really out well under. Done. Yeah. I assume you're going to put well, that out under a different pen name, correct? I am, believe it or not. I am. I'm doing I that. See. Good. I, the, the, I, the thing with the weird gift is not a person, it's a thing. So it kind of travels around the town and affects everybody that it touches in a weird way oh i i like this i like this i feel like we've stumbled upon something secret <laughs> so we're, moving like up, kids, we're moving so. up from twilight zone into night gallery there, there you go yeah. night right. gallery yeah i like this i like this so what have you found that's a little different writing like that versus writing middle grade and younger um and adults just think differently so i don't know <laughs> Kids is just so easy because I'm thinking like a child when I'm writing it. When I'm writing this one, is there's no stops. You know, you can do anything. So yeah, pretty cool. It is there. So what do you like to read then? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. Uh -oh. oh, well, you should have n noted that, and then I would have forgotten it because why? Okay. So don't ask good me that. that. We've gone full circle no. where we would have ended up anyway. No, no, I I read a lot. I, I'm a voracious reader, but I only read nonfiction. Oh, good. So, which is weird because people are like you write fiction, but you only read nonfiction. Like, yeah, because I I'm always reading biographies and American history and trivia. That's the kind of stuff I like to read. So, I don't really read a lot of fiction. Yeah, I write mostly nonfiction, and I like to read fiction. Ah. Yeah because it's not my job you know and it's like okay. you know i have to read nonfiction because i have to research and and all that hey, that's like hey yeah you know, i'm the gonna job. use that thanks i'm gonna use that there you go so okay what was that you don't get to give the guests like little get out of jail <laughs> hey, how the hell did that just happen what? wait hey why am i here then so <laughs> you're I'm here because you're a pretty face that's why <laughs> you're here regretting that now let me just tell you ideas. no 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 all right so you so see your presidential <laughs> trivia Who's your favorite president? I have two answers, but my, my favorite number one, I have to say is Thomas Jefferson, which if I say that, depending on who I'm saying that to, I'm gonna get a look, so, but uh, Thomas, yeah. Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson is my favorite. He no, 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 no judgment here. So. He was just, he did everything, you know? He was a musician, a scientist, a planner, he did everything. So, his house is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I want to tell him. So. Yeah, I haven't seen his house yet. I, I have to see uh, it. Worth a trip, yeah. worth a trip. All right. So who was number two? Uh, Kennedy. Only because he was president when I was born. That's how old I am. Ah, that's how it works. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Usually it's three? everybody's president when they were a teenager. That's the one everybody always remembers as their favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. The first time I got to vote, Ronald Reagan. You know, because yeah, I, yeah. you know, my dad said, we're Republicans. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm voting for Ronald Reagan. And I, <laughs> I, think I had a choice, you know. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, that's how we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't, wasn't it Mondale? Didn't he run opposite Mondale? Is yeah. That yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. That wouldn't have been, that was an yeah, interesting was, choice was, year. Usual, usual, you know, you know, politics, you, you know, you know, which, which, which donkey or elephant we're going to follow. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but all right. So, so now my, my favorite thing with, you know, presidential trivia is always, you know, that, that you, there is so much to go into the little minutia and stuff like oh, yeah. that. Yeah. And, and Jefferson, gosh, there's so much. Yeah. So, um, we'll have to do an episode on that at some point. So that'll be for the other. <laughs> time. So, we are not doing an episode on presidential trivia. Yes, we are. Yes, we oh, are. You don't have to, you can just read the book. See, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pick up the book and we're gonna read it out loud, and yeah, that'll be the episode. That's the episode. That's, That's gonna episode. be a riveting episode for everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you all the trivia and then laugh at you when you get it wrong. So. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, Mark got mean on this last part of the. Uh, hey, the tea is kicking in. <laughs> I see go. that. Give you some caffeine in the world. Curiosities. So yeah. <laughs> okay, Mark, you get to ask the final question before shameless self-promotion. All right. All right. So Rod, last question then. So as you, you, you're right, you've been writing for kids for a long time. Uh, what is your one like go-to that's your, you know, your favorite thing to write for kids? What, what is your one go-to that you like to put into the book? My favorite go-to is to put a group of kids, like it could be two or three or four kids um, and put them. And I got this from Stephen King. Put your characters in a situation and then let them figure it out. Nice. So that, that's what I do. I'll put like juniors, you know, there, there's a serial killer in Tampa. The police can't figure it out. Guess what? These four middle school kids figured it out, you know, and that's, it's kind of stuff like that. I like to put kids in a situation and then just let them have at it. Nice. And by the way, I'm, I don't know if you guys are into plot scene. I mean, plotting and pantsing. Oh, yeah. That's the topic I bring up all the time. I'm a pantser, so I don't have a plot or an outline. I just have a basic idea and I just run with it. So. Nice. No, I do, I do. I'm a I'm a solid pantser. I I okay. Mark on the other hand uh -oh. is a plotter. Yeah, he, for my oh, fiction. He, for my yeah. fiction. I started as a ghostwriter, so they would give you a specific outline that you had to do. And so, you know, do this on this page, do this on this page, do this on this page, and then the rest is all up to you. But it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I started that way, and that's how it's just that's how my brain works for it now. So wow. You know, I gotta get you on one of my panels at the Comic Con, man. I think it would be cool. He yeah. is very entertaining on panels. <laughs> I, I bet. He is. I will connect you two up via email. We'll make that cool. happen. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. What is your favorite book of all time? Man. Rapid Fire, favorite book of all time. Uh, you probably never heard of it. It's a book called The King and His Six Friends. No, uh, I've never I heard know. of that. Tell us about The King and the Six Friends. Uh, it's probably, I call it the book that got me started back in elementary school. It's about this one prince or king, and he had to find a queen for his kingdom. So he's traveling to find her. And on the way, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. He finds all these different guys with different powers, and they help him get to the queen. I, I it was like a comic that. book before comic books were comic books for me, but it was a book in the library. Okay. Least favorite book of all time? I haven't read it yet, I guess. Uh, oh, that's that's a, that's a sneaky answer. Sneaky. Uh, sneaky. If you could be any Marvel superhero, 
and not Spider-Man, who would it be? Aww. I know you were going to say <laughs> Spider-Man. You have to pick somebody else. <laughs> Any Marvel superhero. Captain America. There you go. Okay, you're just Probably. throwing throwing out names. What superhero would you not want to be? Sue Storm. Yeah. Invisible woman. The visible girl, rather. Because yeah. I'm not a girl. Yeah, which writer? Yeah, exactly. When, when you're forced to name your firstborn child after Dr. Doom's choice, you know, you got a problem. <laughs> Uh, but all right, so my question is which DC character would you like to be? Superman. Oh yeah. Come on. Okay. Yeah, come on. He's got all the he's got all the good ones. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite super villain? Any Magneto. Ooh. No. Well, yeah, because I don't know if I don't know if they count the submariners as yeah. a villain or a... depending on the week at Marvel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like him more. So yeah. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. All right, uh, favorite book to TV adaptation or movie? Well, see, I haven't read the book, so <laughs> um, I would say anything by Stephen King, but I don't know. I haven't read any of his books. Oh, so. no, 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 uh -oh. my friend, don't say I, that. I think yeah. I'm a mistake here. Yeah, oh. that, even Stephen King does not think his adaptations <laughs> are going to have to <laughs> Yeah, I will I say the most recent. Some, it, but he doesn't think they have anything to do with his stuff. He's like Alan. Oh, Moore. Really? Yeah, no. I'll, the more most recent it, the first one, not the second one, was pretty close. It cut out a couple major large chunks, like the space turtle and stuff like that. But it it was closer than most of the books, the movies have been to the books. So wow, yeah. Okay. Um, what about what is your favorite you mentioned this i think but your favorite twilight zone episode is the one with the astronauts no my favorite one is to serve man to serve man yeah that's the one where they're, that. they're aliens and they're 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 having humans get on the ship so they can show them their their planet but they're really going to eat them and they leave a book called to serve man thinking we're thinking like oh wow they're here to serve us and it's a cookbook ah that's, that's a great cool. line at the end. It's a cookbook. Yeah. It's a cookbook. Because people are still wanting to get up on the ships. Yeah. And the wow. great Richard Keel from Moonraker uh, playing the alien. So oh, yeah, that was right. a whole Mandela effect thing we had on our other podcast. Because yep. Moonraker <laughs> is one of the big Mandela effect things is braces. Don't oh, get Mark started great. on the braces. Don't get me started oh. on that. That's another whole show. So all right, yeah. anyway. All right, so uh, all right, so we did that. What's your least favorite Twilight Zone episode? It would probably—I don't know the name of it, but it's the one where um, Charles Bronson and Elizabeth Montgomery are in. They're like oh, the last wow. two people. The last two people. I mean, they spend most of the time fighting. I'm like, get on with the story already, you know? Yeah, and it's oh, they're Adam and Eve. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was pretty terrible. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right, so um, now uh, one of my always when I go to Twilight Zone stuff, I always love to talk Harlan Ellison, you know, you know, famous for writing a couple of Twilight Zone episodes and then okay. not getting paid properly. So, uh, what is your what is your go to to make sure you get a paycheck for your writing? Go to to make sure I get a paycheck for my writing. Speaking at a conference. There we go. All right, that'll do. Okay, so when you create your official green room writer, 
what weird thing are you going to put on that? Okay, you have to define green room writer. So a lot of celebrities, when they go on shows, have what's called a oh, green writer. Room. What what they expect the, um, in their writer. Like there's okay. always been the joke about the only um, green M&Ms. Of course, that's back Hayden. before you can yeah. order only green M&Ms. So that's not an issue anymore. But what weird, obscure thing do you want to put in your writer? Uh, I would have to have a television with a DVD playing of Sanford and Son. <laughs> I, Elizabeth, I yes. like that you specified a DVD because that's a whole thing for people to set up. Yeah. I don't you want know? to stream it. You got to put a DVD in there. Yeah, put a DVD in, and, and, and I don't think all the episodes are on streaming because so many of them are lost. So right, right. Right. the DVD. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like that. I like that. Okay. So um, you read a lot of nonfiction, right? Right. Um, what is something that you look for in your nonfiction books? Um, I read nonfiction because I want to learn. So that's show me something that I, I don't I haven't read already, you know, so I'm, I'm constantly trying to learn something. So I read a lot of nonfiction too. So does uh, Mark. One of the things I find with nonfiction a lot of times is they're written like stereo instructions. And I know you're an IT guy, so it's, you know, but I still want them to be good storytellers in the nonfiction right. that they're telling me, right? Right. So I always have to, when it comes to a nonfiction book, like read the first chapter before I buy it, because I'm like, can this person actually tell a story, even if they're explaining how to do something to me, uh -huh. can they tell it in a way that I'm not like bored and want to chuck the book? Even though right, like, right. So do you- It's got to be entertaining. Ever, do you have any of that experience at all when you're going through all these nonfiction books? Um, no, the, reader? the only issues I've had are what I, and I've come to find out, I didn't know at the time when I was reading, I, I got a book on something American history and I started reading and I'm like, this book is so weird. And it was because it was an academic, it was written for academics. And it was, the wording was just so severe. Yeah. It's like, it could put me to sleep because it was just, I, I could not finish reading it. I don't remember what book what book it was, but I just could not finish reading it. No, I I I've never done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That kind of upset me too. But do you listen rock and roll, or do you listen to music when you're writing? I do not. Hmm? What? I feel like I'm learning so many weird things. This is like well, trivia like, with you, Rod. Yeah, like, like Stephen King. Rod Martinez trivia. Yeah, Stephen King plays heavy metal when he's writing. It's like, how do you write with that music going on like that? You know, I, I can't do it. I have to have music distracting wow. from, but I can't have lyrics. So oh, okay. I found a couple things like somebody on this podcast, actually, on my podcast, well, um, introduced me to this thing called Cryo Chamber on YouTube, which is just, it's Ambient. dark, kind of creepy music. And oh. I write horror. So um. I'll listen to that, or if I, I'm writing, I'll listen to Celtic music and stuff, because I can't listen to the noises around, because then I start going, well, what was that? And then I'm distracted. It was your ring doorbell, that's what it was. It, hey, if, if, if we stay around long enough, you might hear the magic of my ring doorbell. No. <laughs> No, I live up in the mountains, though. There are critters yeah, outside. Now, They're yeah, all now it's going to be a bear. Yeah, so you yeah. Okay, I've had a bear set off my ring yep. doorbell, so Holy don't cow. joke about that. No, nope. especially during right before hibernation season, those bears are like, I need to find everything I can eat, and they will come out 
And if you have even a molecule of something somewhere, they're like, I need to find that and eat that. So all right. All right, Rod, we're talking about things we fear. What's what's your worst fear? My worst fear. Hmm. Okay, let's do it this way because what's an, uh, an irrational fear that you have? Irrational fear, yeah. Yeah. What's an irrational, irrational fear? fear? And yeah. it, irrational. Irrational. Uh, irrational fear is like I'm I'm afraid of a plane crashing into my house. That's a rational fear because that happens. Yeah. I'll, I'll die of a heart attack in the middle of talking to kids. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that, that is bad. That is bad. That's a yeah. rational fear, but that's not an irrational fear. Like, are you afraid of clowns? Am I what? Afraid of clowns or something? Like, oh, that's no. an irrational fear. No. No. Care. He's like, no. There's a clown no. motel we were discussing earlier. Oh. I never, I never understood the fear of clowns. I never got that. I'm no. like, Some people don't get it. Some people do. It's just, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And, uh, uh, let's see. So while Erica is frozen here, uh, let's yeah. do um, what is your um, what do you think is your greatest strength as a writer? Um, my ability to capture the middle grade voice, I think, because I've been told that. So I think that's the best. What is your Achilles heel then? What is something that you do as a writer that your editors are like, hey, you know what? Stop doing this thing. Yeah, you know, have words like, you know, and write, you know, because kids say that when they're talking, you know, blah, 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 right? You know, but I guess when you're putting it too much in the book, the editor is like, okay, cut, cut this off. Like, that's how kids talk, you know, but they don't want to read it all the time. So, But those are words that they don't even realize they're saying. Right, right. Right, right. <laughs> right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. What about snacks? Do you have like a preferred I'm writing snack? I do, believe it or not, grapes and cheese. I love, I'm a huge fan of mixing cheese with a lot of different things, which leads me to what is your favorite weird food combination? Grapes and cheese. No. Um, <laughs> it's like cheating. That's cheating. The only weird thing I do is I put grapes in my cereal. I don't think that's weird, but. What? What kind of wait? What kind of cereal is this? Any cereal, grapes. And so cereal. you they could have raisins in the cereal, but they haven't dried out yet. Right. See, yes. <laughs> you should very try different it. flavors. Very you different. Flavors. When did you and start? I, did, I, get, I buy the uh, the special K berries, and I put grapes. Yeah. In. Like whole grapes. Now, we're, all, now yeah. we're talking old stuff here, gang. So it's all good. So for those I young, think I'm going to have that after we finish talking. I think I'm going to do that. Ah, there you go. Okay, that. <laughs> I'm, okay, that definitely threw me off. That's bizarre. <laughs> um, if you could travel anywhere, like money, no, no limit, where would you go? My dream vacation would be Italy, only because I'm trying to learn the language and I would love to go to Italy. That would be awesome. Very, very nice. Very cool. What literary world would you like to visit? Well, how about Metropolis? Go. No, um, um, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, but I would like to see Hogwarts. Although I've been to Universal Studios and I've seen what they have there, but I tell kids a lot. That's one of my my big things. I'm like, when I talk about writing, I said, you know, I was because I was at Universal recently, and I said I was there looking at everything Harry Potter. I stood at the castle, I saw all the rides. I'm like, all of this came out of the mind of one lady, one person created all this all this stuff i'm like that's that was amazing to me 
just amazing. It's very true. And it's got to be a really interesting thing when you see somebody. I mean, that's a huge exception if you look at how many writers are out there to having something. But it's got to be neat when somebody puts your writing into a physical form. Yeah. Yeah. And you can have that with people cosplaying your characters and stuff too. Yeah. You know, and having people show up at your table when you're signing and stuff dressed as one of your characters right. i think that's a very cool thing you know it'd be cool to see a kid dressed as the gray man that's a good idea i like that. there you go, there you go. <laughs> now we got to talk about gray man at some point because there's a there is a gray man ghost in north carolina and the whole town embraces it and it, one of my favorite wow. things is the liquor store there is called gray man spirits so oh, wow. you do a signing up there you should do where a in north carolina it's a paul paul's leagues island it's on oh. uh, the coast and it's he's a ghost that shows up every hurricane, looking for his lost wow. love, Gray Man. So I was like, that's why when I saw that, I was like, hey, wait a minute, yeah, uh, yeah. But, Heard of that one? Yeah, well, very good. And stuff. now you have, and it says you talk to Mark, you will find some of the most obscure ghosts and weird stories that you never <laughs> thought you would know. Yeah, you think you think you made it up, but it's probably in your head. The Gray Man probably put it there. So, uh, wow. <laughs> uh, so uh, with that said, let's go. Uh, all right, so favorite night gallery episode. Uh, I haven't watched that in a long time, but the one the one that I, that always stuck out of me that scared the life out of me was the one. Um, I don't know if it was a rat or something, and it, it looked like a brooch. Oh it, yeah, it put on someone. The rat was just eating the person away and stuff, and it was just yeah. That was a, a that was a Lovecraft one. Uh, that freaked me out. Thing, so yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I I always the one with the earwigs. Just yeah, I'm done. Oh. I'm done. I'm out. So. So you must have done really well with Wrath of Khan then. Oh yeah, no, that was that was right <laughs> from that. They even they even admitted that that was a tribute to that uh, you know that episode. So yeah, I remember oh, seeing that in theaters. I don't even know how old I was because I don't remember what year that movie came out. But I put cotton balls in my ears for years when I was dead. <laughs> I'm I'm not even kidding because nope. somebody explained to me what an earwig was and showed me a picture of the school library, and then I was done. I was like, nope. <laughs> Don't nope, watch nope. don't watch Night Gallery then. Don't watch Night Gallery then. So there, there's an episode with that that's just terrifying. So I gotta but, look uh, it up now. Yeah, yeah. Um no, uh let's see. Uh, they even re- referenced it in a, a Mike Myers movie, which I can't remember. Huh. Um uh, so I married an axe murder has a reference to it. Uh but um let's see. So all right, so you you've got nonfiction as your preferred reading, you've got you know, you're writing fiction, you love comic books, you love night you know, twilight zone, night gallery, we've got all this fun, nerdy stuff. What is your nerdy collection? What do you like to collect? Um, well, I collect bass guitars for one. You see, that that's just one of the many that I have. I don't know how many I have. Um, I collected comic books as a kid. I still have two boxes full of them from the 70s and the 60s. So I tell my son that's his, his inheritance. Um, and I don't know. I collect, I like pens, I like Scooby Doo stuff, oh, nice. Marilyn Monroe stuff. I'm just into all kinds Scooby Doo of stuff. stuff. Yeah, I love Scooby. Yeah. And we make reference all the time to Scooby on the show. We're like, we're going to go back in time. We're going to Scooby do this and go to the back to the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what about um, uh, like, what do you consider your perfect writing environment? Like if you were in your like absolute Zen for writing, what would that look like? Uh, see, to me, the best thing is sitting in a, in a comfortable desk in a comfortable chair with not a lot of stuff around me. So 
I could be at a really nice test on my laptop and I'm set with that. Maybe Sanford and Son in the background. I don't know. But so so you, tra you travel back in time and you can either meet Rod Serling or Stan Lee. Who is it? Who wins the toss? Oh, Stan Lee, man. Okay. Big time. Nice. Yeah. And I've gone to all these comic cons and I never got to meet him and now he's gone. Oh. I always tell people if somebody's at a comic con, go out of your way. Don't think, oh, I can see him another time. Right. Right. Because you never know what's going to happen. Like, yeah. Ever yeah. In this world. So the key thing at the comic cons, you meet all these, all these cool people. I, I met like people from the Back to the Future. And yeah. It's really cool. You can, all kinds of people show up. It's good stuff. What's always fun is when the celebrities walk around and they pick up your books and stuff like that. I love that. That would be cool. Well, yeah, I haven't a new had celebrity yet. come into my world. Come. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my kiss references when Peter Chris walked by us at Spookalo, uh, at Spooky Empire one time and he walked by my table and he looked at my book and he went, I'll go that. And then just kept walking. I was just like, ah! Oh, wow. <laughs> Peter Chris, dude. Yeah, exactly. I was like, ah, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, if you want, I'll sign this one and then you can give me your copy that you had and you yeah. can sign <laughs> With your address where I can stalk you, Mark, that doesn't come off as creepy yeah, right. at all. No, not weird. Not in a weird way. You know, we're going to be yeah. best friends. It's all good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Keeping you away from Peter Chris. That seems like a bad that's, plan. That's probably a good idea now. So what fantastical creature would you be if you could turn into anything mythological or fantasy-based? Like, what kind of creature would you be? I just did an episode with a unicorn. Nice. Probably be a unicorn. So, ironically, do you know they have found, BBC Television has, um, BBC announced that scientists have found um, skeletal remains that they think actually is a unicorn. Yeah. No, I'm not even kidding. This is, yep. it's a creature. It's not like a horse. Like, you know, it's not like from the movie Legend, you know, it's not uh, that. It's a smaller creature, but they, they they found some skeletons with this creature with a, a tiny horn that's kind of horse-shaped and smaller. And wow. it was more like a donkey, but still, yeah, it could have been, you know, they were, and they're saying hmm. from not as long ago as we'd think, you know, so it, it could have had people interacting with it, so. Dude. A unicorn yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy bbc uh, of all places pointing out <laughs> yeah and, no, and of course right before the coronation of the new king so i have no idea where that came from. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no that that would be interesting um what is your favorite writing outfit to wear what's what are you most comfortable writing in t-shirt and shorts nice. no you're in florida so you can't yeah wear. that's you got to you know we have our nine months of summer here in Tampa Bay. So yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad where 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 north in the more in the mountains? One more time. Where north in the mountains are you? I mean, you're like well, I was about to say one of us is the one that's supposed to have been drinking, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's in this coffee, man. Yeah, I, I was gonna uh, say Dunkin' Donuts. Something and, other than blueberry in that coffee. was Tampa <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. So that explains quite a bit. There right? you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I live in Western North Carolina, so I live oh. um, about uh, 45 minutes south of Asheville in a oh, tiny wow. little okay. town, but I live up on a mountain. I that's use Starlink internet, so that's why sometimes my internet goes in and <laughs> out, because there's a house literally 
400 feet away from me that gets a one gig of fiber, but they won't run it the rest of the way up the mountain. Oh, no. No matter how much I offer to pay them to do it, they will not do it. You just need to go down to that neighbor and then just run an Ethernet cord from their house yeah. to yours. That's what I Trust me, I have thought about it. And yeah, yeah. There, there are many days that I'm like, I bet I could wrap this around several trees and just go all the way up the mountain. Yeah, and yeah, on power line. That's it. I'm telling you. Yeah. Until the bears find it, you know. Yeah. Well, then... You know, it's interesting because I, you know, I moved from Florida about two years ago now. And not that there isn't wildlife in Florida, because gators, if you try to explain gators to people up here, they don't quite get the magnitude of like gator mating season. And the mosquitoes I consider an animal, and you know, the palmetto bugs, I also consider them an animal because they're the size of a squirrel flying at your face. But (laughs) it is very different when you're around and you're in a place like this with nature because there are foxes there I, I joke about the bears but i had to build a trash can enclosure because last year in november the bears got into my trash can three times in a row in one week wow and there wasn't anything new in the trash cans but they go they smell whatever and they just decimate and it's not like they pick through and they're like oh i like this and walk away like yeah it is it all over your yeah. driveway and stuff oh man and then i one time i went out there after the third time i was like oh my gosh and i ended up putting them inside a shed because i was like i gotta do something but i hear them coming up the driveway and you have to use your car alarm and stuff to to scare them off oh because man. they're not scared off by humans oh so Jeez. Different world, my friends, living. I see. Down here, we just have to worry about the, you know, the meth mosquitoes, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh you should have brought an alligator up there, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that would solve your problem. So. Yeah, and it would have frozen. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> Do true. gators yeah. freeze? I'm assuming gators would get frozen. They hibernate. Right? They hibernate. They can freeze, but most likely they'll hibernate. Yeah. Wow. Not in my rushing lake. I have. A, I don't have a lake. Where the hell would it go? In my storage <laughs> container. I have my. Yeah. My hibernating gator in my storage container. That yep. is a story in and of itself right there. Like a pond, you know. There's there's a new novel right there for new you. New novel, yeah. Hibernation Gator 101. Okay, um, Mark, you're going to get the final question. So I'm going to ask one. Um, who would, you know, you base your initial books off of your son and his friends, but now who would you get to play those characters? now now him, so i'd love to just pick pick a school and just have some pick some kids out of school and have them play it because every time i talk about the juniors out of school they're one of the first questions like what if they make a movie would you pick me you know it's like i'd let the director pick any one of you guys i don't care as long as you make a movie or my book i'm happy so. nice. i like that i like it okay mark All final right. question ultimate question ultimate nerd question who uh-huh. wins in a fight captain america or batman Captain America. Yeah. All right. I think that tips the poll. I think we're on the right side now. I think Captain <laughs> I agree. Got the super Perez, who drew JLA Avengers, said Captain America would be my man. He had Batman say it to Cap. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> he said, you could beat me, but it would be a, wor- a, a, you know, a tough fight, and I think we're on the same side, so let's not do yeah, it. Yeah, it'd be a worthy fight. <laughs> yeah, that would be, the winner of that would be us, honestly. <laughs> wow. You, wow okay we're, we're I had nerd. nerdy. sorry we're i'm just... gonna i'm gonna seriously debate allowing you ask to ask final questions anymore, <laughs> just so you know 
Um, Rod, where do people find you in your books? Uh, you can go online to rodmartinez.us, like the United States, or Facebook, Arthur Rod Martinez. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. It has been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was fun. Absolutely. You guys are a good group of guys. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> we appreciate it. And when Mark's not, you know, stalking Peter Chris. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to get messages. We're going to get, get that restraining order ahead of game. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today has been the amazing Mark Muncie from Erie Travels. Our guest has been Rod Martinez. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave comments, review. We'd love to hear it all. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.